Hey everyone, and welcome back to the Rootless Living Podcast in episode number 83. My name is Damien Ross, and I'm the host of the Rootless Living Podcast and the publisher of the Rootless Living Magazine. I've been a full-time RVer and digital nomad since 2017. If you haven't already, head over to rootlessliving.com and grab a free digital subscription and start reading the only magazine that is covering what it is like to live a life that is still full of travel while you're working, aka being a digital nomad. On this episode, I chat with Randall, and we get to find out what it's like going full-time in the airline industry to now full-time in an RV. But like always, before I say too much, let's get into the episode. All right, with that, I want to welcome Randall to the show. How are you, my guy? Hey, hey, Damien. Thanks for having me, man. I'm excited to have you on. It's it's rare that I have what I would consider a, a friend friend, like a friend before Rootless Living friend on the show and it'll be fun to get to kind of like your journey to rootless but before we get into that where are you right now in the world right now i'm actually in texarkana texas nice yeah and that's like where stuff is right on the border on top of each other right yeah exactly (laughs) (laughs) they they couldn't decide what state they wanted to be or something it's weird i know they just uh, decided to go with both (laughs) That's fun. Played on both sides. I like it. Yeah. So you've been full-timing for a while. When did a uh, full-time kind of RV life start for you? Well, you, you know, if I, if I back up a few years, I was a flight attendant for 11 years. So I remember that I was actually traveling full-time for a living, uh, just in a different way for many years. Um, I, I always, I, I say that that's more like a preview and not, you know, when you're RV and you're more of a being in it and you can experience it a little more when you're a flight attendant and you land there and you stay at a hotel, it's kind of like the preview window. So I always got a lot of previews, but never got to, you know, go deep into a city. So I had always, uh, when I left flying said, you know, that that's probably something that I'm going to end up doing. And I did. Did you always like, were you kind of drawn to the RV life or just the travel life more? and just not so much the hotel life. You know, I don't think it's, I don't even know if it's the travel it, it, as much as it is just, I'm, I'm curious by nature mm. and curious people seem to, you know, wander a lot and, you know, not just wander in their mind, wander, you know, about uh, just things in general and, and seem to find, I, I, I like people, people watching. So in this lifestyle, you can do a lot of that. Without a doubt, yes, yeah, especially in the airline industry, you can do a, a ton of that, probably more than you want to, really. Yeah, you get to see the, the good and the bad of everybody. But you, <laughs> but you probably had a lot of the same frustrations that some of the people that, let's say, are most timers, and then they find they're like, okay, that's it, we need to get rid of the house. I could see that kind of in the airline industry, that here you are paying this mortgage, but you're spending most of your time traveling in hotels. What was the kind of the schedule uh, working in the airline industry. Um, so you would get a, you would you'd be able you could pick your schedule a month in advance. So you wow. would know. Okay, I'm going to bid for you would call it based on seniority. Um, you could bid for the days that you wanted to work and the, and the days that you wanted to be off. So if you wanted to fly on the, only on the weekends and you had a, a, the, the correct seniority and maybe you wanted to fly to Seattle that whole month, then you could bid for that and get it and just work on the weekends. Gotcha. Yeah. The reason I mentioned it is because that's, that's definitely a rootless lifestyle. I mean, you know what I mean? Like where you're, 
you're traveling, you're doing something you enjoy. I mean, obviously one of your little side things is, you know, you like being around people, like people watching, being in different communities. I mean, that's pretty much the job. You get paid to do something you like doing, which is interesting. Yeah, it was. It was a really, you know, you learn a lot about people because you, you work with people from all over the world as well. I mean, you'll work with someone different almost every time you get on the plane. Right. It's not you know, like when you're a normal job where you go and you work with the same group of people or you see the same group of people. I mean, you may, you know, check in from work and work with somebody who's based in France or based in D.C. or based in Miami. Um, they may be Sikh. They may be, you know, Pakistani. And they may be from a country you never even heard of. Right, right. That's amazing. Now, is this yeah, your... You have to, go, go ahead. Go, no, go ahead. I was going to say, and you, and you have to, you know, you sit with those people for the next sometimes three days, you know, and, and learn all about them. No, I bet. Yeah, it's like a deep dive into like the first day of work, but then you just get that over and over. I totally can relate. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Is this your first time in your adult life not actually having a bricks and sticks or owning a it home? It is. This and, is the first time. And yeah. How, how's that been? I mean, I, I know you grew up kind of the same era I did that, you know, if you lived in mm. a van down by the river, uh, you're kind was, of a loser, you know, and like, yeah. and it's, it's weird was, how this is life goals now. Yeah, exactly. You know, uh, I had the benefit of my business partner doing it first. And, uh, so he sold everything, went on the road and I kind of got to, you know, live through him, like see what he, him and his wife thought about it. And, you know, it, and you probably experienced that and other people experienced this, that he said initially it's kind of like you're on a vacation. You don't even realize it yet. And like for the first few months, he said, it's not until like six months that you're like out there and you're like, okay, yeah, we, we still don't have nowhere else to go, but this, this is it. (laughs) So, uh, I had the benefit of him doing it. Um, which a lot of people may not necessarily have somebody that they know of to, that they can call on. And of course, and I had seen you uh, doing it. Just somehow came across to you on the internet way back. I think when you had first started your road to 300, I think back then. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, that I remember too, cause you reached out with like a lot of questions and, I was like, this is the part of the lifestyle I like. I like being able to, because normally when you pick someone's brain in kind of what they know, there's this idea of like, I need to get paid for that. You know, especially when it's something around that you can monetize. But when you're picking someone's brain just for like a lifestyle change or, you know, wanting to do something different, you're excited to talk to the person and, and kind of help them out. And obviously this was yeah. this was pre-rootless. Like I hadn't even really gotten into the idea of, of doing that where it's like, hey, I want to create something that helps people. So walking you through some of the steps and but you had some RV kind of experience, like the family RV'd, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. My dad, we grew up yet. We started out the tents, then we went to the pop-up, you know, where you had to you know, wind the thing up and then pull <laughs> the sides out. Then they did a C class. Then he bought a, a gas, and then eventually he bought a diesel. There you go. Yeah, yeah. No, so you definitely had. I had zero experience, and I'll be honest. A lot of people at the show have had zero RV experience. Like literally, their first experience in an RV is the RV that now they're living in full time. Um, yeah. Let's walk through the just the process of getting rid of stuff and then going into the RV. Yeah. Were you somewhere where things? 
like, was that difficult for you or was it easy getting rid of the stuff and then just, you know, going full time? Yeah, that's a good question. Cause, uh, I think for a lot, for a lot, there are things that in your life that you say, there's no way I can get rid of that. There's no way I could live without that. Or I have to have that in my life. And there's things in it that you go like, you know, I could care less about if I have it or not. Um, I'm not, I've never been one so attached to things. There are, you know, a couple of things, you know, anything that revolves around uh, my daughters, a few things like that, that I do feel that way. But for the most part, everything else I could, cars, expensive, I really didn't care. So um, what my process is when I got to the point, I literally just said, I'm, I'm just going to do this. I'm, I'm not even going to think about it. And I didn't, <laughs> I, uh, went through my house and said, okay, then, um, this is this right now, get rid of it. And I, I still had that attachment to, and I put it all in my master bedroom bedroom. And then everything else that was in the house, I called my friends. I said, Hey, if y'all want anything that's in my house, you can come and get it. And it's free. It's yours. You just have to move it yourself. And uh, a couple of them came over and they said, hey, is this it? I said, as long as it's not in that master bedroom, anything, I don't care what it is. <laughs> so I had that phase. And then I had the phase, well, okay, well, let me try this, uh, sell something on Facebook. And, man, you could have a Fabergé egg that's worth $9 million, and you try to sell it for $2 on Facebook, and somebody's going to, like, I'll give you a dollar. But like, it's a $9 million Fabergé egg, sir. <laughs> so if anybody's ever tried to sell anything on Facebook or it's all, you learn that thing, it's context, right? Like when you sell something, like you could sell a piece of junk at Summersby for a hundred grand, but you can't sell a $9 million Fabergé egg for more than five bucks on Facebook. <laughs> That's funny. So I went through that process and I didn't expect to necessarily make money. It was more about, they were paying me to move it. Right. No, I think a lot of people I, don't realize that, that the stuff that maybe they'd be willing to, it, it's good though. Like, I mean, you did it kind of interesting where it's like, Hey, friends come first. And then after that, whatever, I'll try to sell. And if I can't sell it, then I'm assuming you probably just gave it away anyways. And it's, that's what people like don't get is that, you know, stuff that maybe you don't want anymore. Someone will, will pay a buck, five bucks, 10 bucks for it. And those five tens, they'll start to add up. It did. I think it added up to like 3,500 bucks, something like that. Wow. And like, again, I just, I, I never really, you know, and Gary V even talked about this. He said, dude, if you really needed to like come up with like five grand, uh, you could sell stuff in your house and come up with five grand. Yep. And had I, you know, actually tried to sell the stuff, I easily could have made it even 10, but I didn't. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, like, uh, yeah. If you weren't like, like, I just want to get done with it. If you wanted to take your time yeah. and list it for a while and have different sales. Oh, for sure. Yep. So then I had it, I had all of that, and then I, I took what was left that I couldn't just get rid of immediately because um, I still had some sort of like dang that that was expensive, <laughs> and I put it in a I, I put it in a storage unit, and I said if in six months if I don't think about it, try to use it, want it, I'm gonna I'm gonna give that away too, and six months went by and I didn't use any of it, and I gave it to my I gave it to my uh, oldest niece. I, I told her and her husband. To, Come over, meet me at the uh, uh, at the uh, storage unit. Bring a big old truck, and they did, and they couldn't believe I was giving them all that stuff. And it felt good. 
Yeah, doesn't it? I mean, it's funny how that stuff weighs you down. One of my guilty pleasures is watching that show Hoarders. And there's time where people, there's like two types of hoarders, like the hoarders that just hoarder trash. And there's people that just hoarder stuff. And it's really weird when I see someone where it's like, it's clearly junk. It's been in the backyard for decades now, but they're thinking back to the value that they purchased it for, for that $500 now. And they want that $500 back. And, And it's like, it's, it's impossible, but I also find it funny that we as a society, we'll put that $500 in storage and we'll we'll pay $500 to store it over the next six months to a year instead of just getting rid of it at the value that it was at, which was maybe nothing or nobody wanted or you couldn't sell it. And you'd save the money on storing it, which is always interesting that we run into that. And it's just because things we put a value on something and it's a lot of times it's different than what other people value. It could be less, could be more. Yeah. No, you're right. Yeah. It's amazing. It's amazing feeling when you lose an, lose attachment to things that don't, you know, that you're not going to take them with you. Right. Yeah. And I, I think there are different things that are like, um, you know, I mean, I mean, full, disclosure, I still deal with this with like electronics. Those are hard for me to give up. Even if it's something that I haven't used in a year, I can still say to myself, well, you know, you never know. I might need a third light, you know, and I haven't even, I haven't even used one, you know, but all of a sudden I got to make sure that I have three and yeah. I see that, but I, I do resonate with what you're saying about your daughter and those things. I mean, those things do hold, you know, a different priority and value. It's hard to bring those things on the road with us. So there's a lot of times we do store, you know, family, memories and memorabilia and things of that nature. Cause you never know the kid might later on might want it. Or, you know, once you get a bricks and six again, it's that kind of stuff that you want to have in your home. Yeah. You, you know, the craziest thing is, is all that stuff that I gave away and sold for damn near nothing that was, you know, that I spent a lot of money on and the things that I kept that I thought were important was whenever my daughter was little and I would pick her up, she would always have a, a bunch of paper that she drew stuff on. Mm-hmm. I mean, she, we're talking, she's three, four, five years old at the time. And basically all it was, was her scribbling in circles. And every time I would pick her up, she would go through every one of these pieces of papers. Like, Oh, this is, this is you. And she'd make up a story for every one of them. And n- no kidding. I got a, the box. I kept every one of those things, literally box full of ju- just paper that she scribbled on. <laughs> <That's awesome. laughs> and I couldn't get rid of that. No, that stuff's tough. You know, I do want to talk about kind of you being a, what I would refer to as a long distance uh, single parent in the sense that I was always impressed that, and correct me if I'm wrong, that you would fly to Chicago solo and then that's where you yeah. would get her, and then you would fly back to Texas. Now, granted, you're used to this kind of flying, and that yeah. was the schedule to be able to visit her. How has the RV changed that? Because I know we've talked, and she's been yeah. you know, with you on the RV, so I'm wondering, as a single parent, has that helped it? Has it made it harder, or has it made it better? Um, it, was, it was good when uh, they were working or having school remotely, Cause then I, I, she would stay with me for a month and then I'd fly her back to her mom for a month. So it was like a month on and off, which is really good. Um, now that she, the, the schools are back, it makes it a little bit tougher. So um, I'm, you know, ha- having to get back to that fly up there and stay for a, uh, you know, a, a few days and come back. Right. Right. But she does like the RV. 
Yeah, because I think I remember you and I talking, and it like she was in the background with like five of her new best friends, and I thought that's really cool yeah. too. Because when you, yeah. you know, a lot of times when you're at a campground, there are a lot of kids. So if you're visiting, not only do you get to see your dad, but then you also get to hang out and play with, you know, other kids that when I mean, you're not from the area, that can be tough. But in a campground, like kids are like instant friends. Like it's really cool to see. Yeah, it is. It, it kind of reminded me about you know, the, like when I was growing up in my neighborhood, what it was like. You see them out there bickering. They, you know, they have their own little cliques, and then they fight a little bit, and just like you, you know, like normal instead of uh, no one outside and everyone on the computer. Right. What is it that you guys are uh, traveling and living in right now? We're in a twenty-two foot micro mini uh, Winnebago with a with a slide out. Which I was actually surprised you got that because, you know, kind of not that I would put you in the category of someone that would just go like big baller right from the beginning, but I kind of thought you would have gone a lot bigger. And so I was stoked that it was like, hey, I need to get something in and around the vehicle that I already own, can pull and handle, as opposed to not, I'm going to go get a whole new setup. And so, I mean, I was stoked that you did it because a lot of people, you know, they, they buy too big in the beginning. Let's be honest. Yeah. And it's like, let's get out there. Let's test it a little. And then, you know, like, are you, are you happy with the choice or do you wish you would have started big baller from day yeah, one? No, I, if you know, everybody has their own, what they would think is best for them. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say that this was a really good choice for me. I, obviously I could have just bought whatever the bit I could I looked at the big ones and all of that. And I thought, you know, why don't I first see if I do like, I'm actually going to like the lifestyle. If I get the smaller one and I, and I don't like it, I can still, you know, storing is a lot easier. Moving it around is a lot easier. Yep. Um, it's just a much more versatile unit than getting a 45 foot Tiffin right, Allegro right. bus, <laughs> which definitely looks appealing. Right. But you are um, right. If you decide you don't like the but, lifestyle, that's tough to store and only have to use a couple, you know, weeks out of the year. Yeah, so like a difference between $250 a month and, you know, $1,500 a month to store it. <laughs> right. <laughs> On top of the bill that goes with it. Right. So, and I was, and I'm like, I want to make my life as simple as possible. Yep. And then if I decide I can want to expand out, I can. And I did. I, I think it, for me, it was a good choice to start off small and see if you like it, and you could always go bigger. Yeah, because how long have you been on the road now in regards to just the RV? This is, um, in, in September, October will be two years. Yeah, there you go. And I think there's a lot of, like, lessons in there because I think a lot of times we, and not that if you would have went big, it would have overstretched you, but there's lots of times that we want to overstretch ourselves. There's lots of times where, mm-hmm. you, like, I think it was really smart in the idea of let me get something that's kind of in the middle ground that if it doesn't work out, it's still something I know I'll use. Cause I mean, obviously you enjoy fishing and kayaking and going outdoors. So it's something you would use anyways. And even if you live in Texas, I mean, you could, you could spend five years on the road, not even leave Texas. It's so big and there's so much to do there. Um, so yeah. it's a, it's a, it's a smart choice. And it worked with the vehicle that you had. I, I see, you know, in my case, I didn't have anything that would pull anything. I had like a Lexus, a little Lexus that could pull anything. And, you know, so for me, I had to make the choice, okay, what kind of rig do I want? And then once I found the rig, then I had to find the truck and, um, probably went a little too big, you know, for starting out now, four years later, 
you know, it kind of worked out. It's okay to have something that's big if you're going to do it for four years in a row. Um, is the is, right. is a new rig on the horizon, or are you going to stick with what you got? Oh yeah, yeah. The the new one is on the horizon. I think that a, a motorhome is is on my horizon. Gotcha. And then you'd like. I I, I really like the a, a, a nothing bigger than forty foot though. Right. No, that's a a monster. And I think you said something that I I do agree yeah. is really interesting that. I think it really is a personal choice. I, I find it hard when people like ask, like, what do you think I should get? Because honestly you could have twin brothers with twin sisters and they have, you know, three kids each and they do the same work, they do the same hobbies and they'd want completely different rigs. And so for me, it's just interesting to see people that kind of understand that already. And I liked hearing that from you, that it's really a personal choice. Yeah, it is. There's so many variants to why you would have, why maybe you'd want one over the others. It's like, there's too many variables for one person to say, just get this. <laughs> right. I always think that cringes me when I hear that in conversations. Like, you know, what do you think we should get a fifth wheel or class A? And it's like, I need to know so much more about you, or at least I can tell you why I bought it kind of a thing, which I think is important. Um, right. How much travel you've been able to do in the last two years? Like, do you have like a, a state rundown? Do you have how many states you've been to and how much time you've spent on the road? That kind of thing. Um, I, I, you know, I didn't keep up with the states. Um, I, I do know that we've driven 62,000 miles. Wow. That's a road trip. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So there's a, we've been, a, we've been a few places. That's mostly, cool. you know, mostly we, we experienced, explored the the east midwest and east coast gotcha not the i went to west the first trip i went west i literally bought the machine and uh just loaded up and went my by myself and headed out to and went to las vegas and back but that was the only trip that i've gone west so coming this next year we're that's west is where we're gonna go very cool and Who's traveling with you? Are you are you traveling solo? Is the daughter with you most of the time? You got a girlfriend that travels with you, and then yep. every, and once while the kid joins you, girlfriend, well nice. Yep, I, I literally she she uh, had made a comment on one of my uh, posts that I did said it was funny. I said, "Well, that's funny. Yeah, you should probably come with me on the road." <laughs> <laughs> and I literally just said, "Hey, why you why don't you come with me?" And she did. Very cool. How is she enjoying even know the RV her. life? She loves it. There you go. She loves it. You know, it's in this lifestyle, you uh, really have to be with somebody you care about and and enjoy being around. Because uh, if you'll find out real quick if you don't, if you're not compatible, that's for sure. Yeah, that's even just outside of like tr- trying to back up the rig. That's just living in small quarters. Right? <laughs> yeah, I like that. Uh, you'll find out right there. Backing <laughs> right. up. Right. Can you communicate? How do you handle pressure? Do you yell at each other? <laughs> How it goes? I've I think- seen more arguments that set people setting up their their camper than I care to tell. <laughs> I'm oh, sure you have too. <laughs> without a doubt, I think they do it because of the pressure of what they're feeling. I, like I don't care if someone takes an hour to set up. You know, as long as they're not blocking the road and I can leave, it doesn't bother yeah. me. Take your time. Figure right. out whatever best spot for you is. I always laugh at myself because, like, when I'm out boondocking where there are no spaces, it's just wide open. 
that's where I find like where I run into like the most like, wait, do I want it here? Where's the sun going to be? Like you're just, there's no parameters. So then you really don't know where you're supposed to be. And that seems to take longer. It always makes me laugh. Right. <laughs> so what are you doing on the road for a living? Obviously did, I mean, I don't want to make an assumption that you weren't, you didn't have a job that required you to switch careers or anything like that. Was your work already remote when you decided to go full time? Yeah, it was already remote before I before I um, decided to do this lifestyle. So that definitely made it easier to decide on, you know, on going full time. I was already doing marketing remotely anyway. Gotcha. And how's and I had out. How's that been for you on the road? Is it easier, harder? It's been- it's been good. You know, um, I learned a long time ago in, in, in business, if you can find the apple tree and support the apple tree, you'll get all the apples you want. And I just lucked out in my marketing business and happened to uh, run across a manufacturer of equipment for doctors that I started doing marketing for and they provide all the apples, which are the doctors that buy their equipment. So I don't even have to do any marketing for myself. Gotcha. They provide them all. <laughs> so it made it easy. No doubt. And it's, it sounds like it. I mean, I think that's the, one of the biggest hurdles for people in this lifestyle is just figuring out how they can make money on the road. But if they're working remote, it really is an easy transition as long as, you know, if you're working for someone else, the employer doesn't have issues with it or your clients for some reason would or wouldn't have an issue. Have you ran into any of that with any of the, the clients being weird that you're on the road full time? No, none of them. Good. None of them. Uh, I think they, a lot of them are like, wow, I wish I was doing that. <laughs> right. It almost becomes like a good talking point where I think people yeah. think it's going to be a negative and actually turns out to be a positive where, yeah. you know. Well, it's been good, too, because I've... uh you know, we've gotten to stay with it. We recently just came with one of my clients from uh, from staying with him in uh, Wake Forest, North Carolina. There you go. This is how this is the this is the cool part. Is I went. I've been working with them for about three years now, and uh, I kept telling them I'm going to come out and see. You. So eventually, we I did. I went out and seen them. And uh, they said, oh, man, we got a trip planned to Florida. We're going to be gone for three days. I'm like, oh, that's fine. We're we're still be here. They literally, honestly, they gave us the keys to their practice and said, hey, while we're gone, feel free to use the equipment because they had like massage tables or like those water massage things and PEMFs, all this. I mean, they literally had a million dollars worth of equipment in their their, uh, facility, and they let us use it while they were gone. That's very cool. It's crazy. Yeah, it's crazier when it ends up being people that you haven't known for three years, which I've ran into this life yeah. where people I've known yeah. just a couple of months that are like, hey, we're not going to be on our property, but you can come and hang out and stay if you want. I'm just like, what? It's so cool. Yeah. yeah no, it, it makes it. Did you visit clients a lot, at, you know, previously, or is that new to kind of the RV life? No, I didn't. No, gotcha. That was the first time. We visited uh, five or six now. Became really, you know, something about when you go and you stay in their town and eat in their restaurants and meet, you know, their their people. You really get a lot closer to them, and 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 you understand their market much better too. So, yeah, I was going to think for your business, being able to go and kind of immerse yourself for a little while and have that face to face time, because you know, I mean, you brought up 
Gary Vee and I'm, there's a bunch of people that still talk about that nothing replaces a handshake still, even in 2021 and going forward. That's true. Yeah, that it's really, I mean, maybe now it's a fist bump. I don't know. But you know what I mean? Like it's <laughs> yeah. still, it's still such a powerful that once you, and I always remember that. I remember like if you played around a golf with a potential client or a client, they were like a client forever because you had that five or six it's, hours where you just were hanging out. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, for me, I'm a, I'm a relationship type person anyway. So, it, it, you know, I believe if you're going to work with somebody, you really need to, to get to know them. Especially yeah. in your, if you're handling their marketing, knowing them helps you make a message that speaks more about, you know, what they, who they are, not who you want them to be. Yeah, because I think anytime you're trying to duplicate, especially in marketing, where maybe you have a you know client X and he's in this different type of community and this marketing is really working, and for some reason you're scratching your head that it's not working for client Z, but then you go over there and you see, oh wait, he's got a different approach, he's got a different community. We need to really vamp this. But sometimes the clients don't know how to convey kind of their approach or their community, and I could totally see that being. I mean, that's why we we were traveling salespeople in the beginning. Like we literally went and visited with our clients. It wasn't just all Zoom and phone calls. We literally went and had the face to face. And because technology has gotten better, I feel like that that touch has gone away and I see it coming back and I would assume, and that's why I want to talk about, it. I think in the RV life, I think it would come back. I think anyone that's got like a territory and salespeople, if you can get an RV and travel and meet with people, it's, I, I would say your business would just boom in a, you know, especially in a loyalty way as well. Oh yeah, no, for sure. No doubt. Uh, it has for me. I bet. No, it's very cool. Um, well, let's get into when you're not traveling, when you're not working and I kind of, kind of hinted a little bit what are the things that you guys like to do uh you know in regards to what we like to call exploring what are your hobbies what do you like to do for fun you know it's gonna sound boring but i just love fishing (laughs) i love everything that revolves around fishing something and sometimes the stuff i'll never probably most likely do like deep sea fishing because i just get seasick but i still enjoy reading about it like how i would catch you up you know uh a sailfish or, or a tuna, which one day I'm going to have to get over that seasickness because i got to catch me one of those. <laughs> I will recall. Fishing? Yeah. Fish. We, were, we were at one campground together, and that was you, man. You were just out there just walking the water and, and actually catching a lot more fish than I saw the guys that are in these, like, $100,000 boats. You know what I mean? They're just And you're just on the shore, <laughs> you and your dog, just snacking, snatching fishes and throwing them back in. Uh, no, man, you know, and I, uh, I was, I think it, they said it was like 14 pounds away from a record catfish at Lake Buchanan. Oh, wow. Yeah. I don't know if 14 pounds is like, you know, 20 seconds faster in the hundred yard dash. You'd have had a world record or if it's like really, if that's... that thing was a hundred, that, 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 the big one was a hundred and something pounds. Mine was pretty close. I got you. Okay. So yeah, I mean, if you were talking 28 and 14 pounds and you're 14 off, but if you're in the, wow, that's yeah, incredible. Yeah. Do you actually, do you, do you get to eat those or is that a catch and release? You just oh, let no. that thing keep getting bigger and bigger. I, I hardly ever eat them. I put them back. Do you? Okay. Which is always like, that's the thing. I don't, maybe that's why I'm not into fishing. I've rarely, rarely gotten into it. I've done it a few times is the, the patience. And then a lot of times you just have to send it back. And I'm like, oh, that's, yeah. I'd just rather go get sushi. It's so much easier. <laughs> uh huh. 
Very cool. Like I went trout fishing while I was in uh, North Georgia. That was a blast. Gotcha. Have you, have you tried to do fishing in almost every state you visited? Oh, everywhere. Gotcha. Yeah, I won't go anywhere where I can't fish. <laughs> I love it. That's funny. And I do know that, you know, because, again, the same experience, you guys went out and got kayaks, and it seemed like you guys were out in the water, you know, if not every day, every other day. How was that for you guys? Oh, man, loved it. We, uh, <laughs> it's a funny story about that. We, uh, in North Georgia, we had some friends that lived there, and they came to visit. And uh, right behind our campsite was the, I think it's the Toka River or something. I think that's what it's called. And uh, it was fast-moving water, so you could kayak. So we took their car and drove it. And we, we, him and I looked on the map and said, okay, yeah, let's drop the car off here, and then we'll float to there. So we took the car, dropped it off, came back, put our kayaks in and floated down the river. And uh, 20 miles later, we finally reached where we, where we put the car. And we like, man, we probably should have uh, done a little bit more homework on how far that was. Because <laughs> 20 miles in a kayak without the, what's the, they call it, the skag, the little tail. Oh, I see. So we the, the kayak kept turning to every time you pulled or you know put the paddle in the water on the right it turned to the right and then you did a left so you're constantly left right man I was so tired <laughs> <laughs> I'm like I'm not gonna kayak for another year now <laughs> but it it was downstream though at least right you got that right it was downstream okay. but it wasn't the water wasn't moving that fast and it was getting dark oh wow. You know, we had to get there. So then we get there, and he didn't have his keys. <laughs> <laughs> this thing is oh my God, very great. well planned. So, now, you got, now you got a kayak back. <laughs> yeah, now I'm like, but ain't no, that's not possible. <laughs> right. Luckily, there was a guy who was fishing uh, there, and he, he gave us a ride. So we're still good people in the world. Oh, without a doubt. That is that is funny. We did a – in a Page, Arizona, they kind of do this thing where they take you up to the dam, and it was like 10 miles, and – I think we thought the current was going to be a lot more and it wasn't. So, and even though you are going downstream, it's still a lot of, it's a lot of paddling to get going. We, we hit a couple current spots, but we, we thought it'd be more like, you know, how people do with inner tubes and they float. We thought we'd just be in the kayak floating, but it really didn't yeah. work out that way. So it was a good workout. I'm glad we didn't do the the whole 15 miles, but 20 miles and especially in an inflatable without the rudder per se, that would have been yeah. tough. That, that's a workout. I could see wanting to give it up for a little while. And I'd already had a lower back pain already. <laughs> no doubt. Do you fish when you're kayaking or is it just mostly kayaking? I, I do fish from the kayak, but that's, I didn't in this case. Yeah, no, no doubt. That's It's kind of hard fishing in, a, in any moving water with a kayak that's not a pedal drive in you because you're constantly uh, throwing and then getting the paddle and you can't do that. Without a doubt. It's very difficult. If it's still water, you can do it. I think it's funny that the stories like that where like kind of a lot of things go wrong are the ones that we always remember and cherish and talk about, though. that That's the one thing, you know, we you always have that moment. You're like, you know, we're going to be laughing about this later. It's starting to get dark. You're in the middle of nowhere. You get there. You don't have keys. Uh, that's it. Yeah. I hope they I hope they find our bodies soon kind of moment. And then those are the stories yeah. you love talking about and telling. That's very funny. And the dude that gave us the ride, you, you would be like, oh, I don't think that guy's the nicest guy. And he ended up being the nicest guy. Oh, that's very cool. No, there's still, especially in some of these smaller communities, there's still just the salt of the earth type people. I think we've, 
and you and I have had conversations about this, that there's, it's such a small percentage to really be scared of. And I remember when this happened, we had some full timers that were, um, they were killed in, in Texas on the beach by a guy that was trying to leave and, you know, cross the country. And, oh, there's just this mass hysteria about we'll never boondock. That's why boondocking's not safe and all this kind of stuff. And it's like, this happened to one couple out of millions yeah. and millions of people that boondock. And I get it makes the media, it's scary to think about it, but it shouldn't stop you from doing things, you know? And that's what's, I think there's a lot of times we wouldn't take a, a ride from a stranger, but two guys getting a ride from one guy, you're going to be okay. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's very cool. Yeah, media. Well, let's get into the high low. So in this lifestyle, um, I feel like we hit lows that maybe we don't know are going to come our way. And the only rules I have, it can't be internet, can't be COVID, can't be a flat tire. Um, all those things I think we all kind of experienced over the last couple of years. But what's been a low in this lifestyle that maybe you didn't expect that hit you if you have one? I would say um, I'm a very social person. And uh, in the beginning, you know, the, 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 the sites or the places that I was staying had a lot of people that would interact with you um, over the past, you know, now 20 months later, I would say that there are points where there's like people just don't want to talk there. You find locations where people just don't talk to each other. They stay on their own or maybe they, uh, they live there and they don't like talking to people who's just passing through. So I would say the low part for me is that I'm, I need to have uh, interaction with people on a daily basis. I'm not a, you know, I didn't take this lifestyle so I could get away from people. I got this lifestyle so I could be more immersed in people. So I would say that's a low part for me in some cases. So I've made it a, a you know, moving forward places that I'm going to stay at, I'm going to make sure that they have a little bit more going on. Less, less people who are living in the parks. Gotcha. I find that those people seem to be less um, talkative. <laughs> I think that's a good observation to be honest with you. If you're talking about the people that the rig doesn't move, they're there, whether they're there yeah. seasonal or I will agree that yeah. they probably have just gotten burnt out on, you know, people being there for a day, two days, a lot of people don't respect it and that can burn them out. But no, yeah, I, I, get I agree with you that it's the, the getting out and talking to people. It, it's funny too. Cause I almost feel like a kid sometimes, especially if you find someone that, you know, you kind of hit it off with, you just, you're like coming mm-hmm. over, you're like, Hey, can, can Randall play? Can Randall come out? You know, it's like that kind of exactly. moment. It's, it's very funny. Yeah. Here I am 50 years old. Like, just like, can Randall play? I want to play with yeah, Randall. Exactly. Some more. That's funny. I love it. <laughs> What's been a high in this lifestyle that maybe you didn't expect or, you know, those moments where you're like, I can't believe this is my life kind of a thing. Um, whew. God, that's, you know, I don't I should have a good answer for that. I don't. A high would be, hmm. you know, for me, it's more, it's my relationship with, with Tony. That's my girlfriend. That the, the high would be that, that I didn't expect that it that I would become so close to a woman as as I have to her, and and mostly this lifestyle because it forces you to 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 you know uh, you know as a man we love our feelings right right <laughs> so you're forced to 
you know, lay out your hand a lot more than you would, than you would. And it's easier to get away when you're in the other lifestyle in, in a, in a 10 by 10 space, that's a lot harder to do. And uh, I, I would say probably the high point is, 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 is getting, being able to, to really be close to her, which was unexpected for me. No, that's very cool. Yeah. I remember when you, you know, I mean, I knew you went solo and then you're like, Oh, you know, my girlfriend's going to come with me. I was like, Oh, that's a, that's a disaster. Like you guys haven't dated very long and you're going to get in the RV. Oh man, this is going to be bad. But you know, Hey, yeah. do, do your thing. And, and you know, two years later, it's still, it's still rocking, but it's, it is one. I mean, we joked about it in the beginning a little that, you know, if you can, if you can live in an RV and travel with someone, it really does, you know, it exposes all the weaknesses and it exposes the strengths a lot faster than most relationships. It's like people are always concerned about, you know, I don't think you should, you know, live with someone until you get married, blah, blah, blah. It's like, I think you should RV with someone. You'll find out really quick if you're supposed to be in a relationship yeah. with them. It's quick. That's true. <laughs> like, it'll, in a month, you'll know. You'll be like, oh, yeah, you know what? This isn't going to work. We'll go ahead and call mm-hmm. it off. That's that's very cool. I think, you know, hopefully she listens and Tony gets to hear this. Hi, Tony, if you do listen to this, because that is that's a good that's a good high. And I think people the reason I I mean, I love the the high low is especially in the high. I think a lot of people do worry about that, especially if their relationships new and things of that nature that, you know, yeah, there's still a very high at the end of it, too. So, I mean, I know there's fears, but at the end of it, you could come out of it where that's the the big takeaway so far is just how much it changed the relationship, made the relationship stronger. Mm-hmm. So very cool. Yeah. Hey, Randall, if people want to find you, hang out with you, ask you questions, anything like that, you don't, you know, no obligation, but if you have a, a website or social media or whatever, I'll write all this down in the notes so folks, you don't have to write it down, but where can people find you? I mean, they could just, uh, Facebook would probably be the easy. I, you know, I, I have uh, limited my space on, social media to whatever the bare minimum could be. Gotcha. But uh, if, if they wanted, they could go to R chestnut. Uh, that's the, uh, on Facebook and Instagram's the same R C H D S N U T T. Um, I post a, a pictures every now and then, but nowhere near what I used to years ago, like, like every five seconds. Right. Right. They do some digging too. You've actually authored uh, a couple books that they'll be able to find as well too, which is cool. Yeah, yeah, I, I forget about those. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. All right, bud. Well, I appreciate you coming on the show, sharing your story, and uh, it was good catching up. Well, thanks for having me, Damon. All right, take care. Well, another great episode. Big thank you to Randall for coming on the show, and hopefully I get to catch up with him on the road again in the next few months, and maybe then he can really teach me all the secrets to fishing. I need to learn how to fish. I don't know how to fish. If you want more information or to connect with the guests that have been on the show today, just head down into the show notes, click on any of the links, and if you do reach out to them, let them know you heard them on the Rootless Living Podcast. Also, just a friendly reminder, if you're enjoying the Rootless Living Podcast or the magazine, make sure to let your friends and family know by sharing us on your favorite social media channel. It's a really big help in getting the word out, and if you use the hashtag Rootless Living over on Instagram, we're going to share it as well. And like always, if you think you know someone that would make a good guest or that guest might even be you, please send us an email at podcast at rootlessliving.com and let's see if we can help tell your story. Until next week, stay rootless.